Greetings. Welcome to Session 7 on this series of Abounding in the Good Works of God. The most important man who ever lived on this earth is Jesus Christ. And today we're going to take a deep dive into his personal life. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it reads, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. The word empathize in this verse is a translation from the Greek word sympatheo, spelled S-Y-M-P-A-T-H-E-O. It means to feel compassion for. We get our English word sympathize from it. This verse tells us that Jesus understands us. He can empathize with the problems we face and the hurt that we sometimes go through because he experienced similar adversities in his own life. Some of the movies about Jesus portray him as this almost robot-like creature who is not emotionally challenged. That was not the case. He was tempted in all aspects of his life, just like we are. There isn't any hurt and pain that you and I have to endure that Jesus didn't go through himself. Because of this, he can relate to us and our cries for help. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, Now, since the children participate fully in blood and flesh, in a similar way, he also himself shared the same, so that through death he could make ineffective the one who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Note the words, in a similar way, he also himself shared the same. The up and down experiences of emotion and feeling that all men and women go through in life were also shared by Jesus Christ. He was born like you and I, raised by parents, and he had to face difficult challenges throughout his life, just like we do. In Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 19, we learn that sin was introduced into the world by a man, Adam, and that everyone since that time has been born into sin as a result of Adam's disobedience. Because man had brought sin into the world, it would require another man to redeem back the sin that had been committed. Jesus Christ is that man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22, For since death came by a man, the resurrection of the dead also came by a man. For just as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Before he became an adult, Jesus experienced childhood just like us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it reads, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus didn't wake up one day and magically receive wisdom from God. There was a process of learning and growing in wisdom for him, just like there is for us. True wisdom comes from fellowshipping with God and from studying his word. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, For Yahweh gives wisdom... From his mouth comes forth knowledge and discernment. And then in James chapter 1, verse 5, But if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God for it, 
who gives to everyone generously and without finding fault, and it will be given him. In session four, we talked about how important the Bible is. In Second Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen, it refers to all scripture as being God breathed. From an early age, there's evidence that Jesus Christ spent much time studying and memorizing the scriptures. There's a record in Luke chapter two that describes an incident involving Jesus when he was twelve years old. He was walking home from Jerusalem with his parents when they realized he was gone, and so they went looking for him. Verse 46 of Luke 2, And it came to pass, after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Notice that Jesus was listening to them. One of the effective ways we can learn the word of God is to humbly listen to teachers of the Bible. However, we are not to blindly believe everything that they tell us. Even at the age of 12, Jesus was asking questions about what they were teaching. Verse 47, And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. These top-of-the-line authorities in the scriptures could hardly believe that this 12-year-old kid could not only quote scriptures to them, but he had a great understanding as to their meaning. Amazingly, at this early age, Jesus was answering questions posed by these high-end scholars. One thing I noticed when I was spending time in Kenya and Uganda is that many of these people cannot afford to purchase a Bible. One of my goals when I travel to countries such as this is to give Bibles to people in their native language. Studying the scriptures was crucial to the development of Jesus Christ as part of his preparation for his future ministry where he would be challenged beyond comprehension. Knowledge of the scriptures is vital to the spiritual growth and development of every Christian. As Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 says, We are not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In Matthew chapter 4, each time Jesus was tempted by the devil, he responded to those temptations by quoting scripture. This illustrates how important it is that we study the Bible and hide the words from it into our heart. Another thing Jesus Christ disciplined himself to do was to spend time alone with his Father God in prayer. An illustration of this can be found in Mark chapter 1. And in verse 32 to 33, it reads, And when evening came after the sun had set, they began to bring him to everyone who was sick and those who were afflicted by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Jesus Christ was a busy person. He was constantly being visited by people with physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. It says in this verse that the whole city was at his door. And yet, he didn't allow his busy schedule to get in the way of doing what was very important to him, which was spending time alone with his father. Verse 35, And in the morning, a great while before day, he, Jesus, got up, and he went out and departed into a solitary place, and he prayed there. The disciples of Jesus didn't understand this priority of his. 
And in verse 36 and verse 37, we read, And Simon and those that were with him followed after him. And they found him and they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. What are you doing? I see a hint of a lecture from his followers. They were implying to Jesus that there was no time to pray. There was too much work to be done. We mustn't allow a busy schedule to interfere with the quiet time that we need to spend with God our Father and with our Lord Jesus Christ in prayer every day. One of the reasons this fellowship time is so important is to allow God to direct our heart as to what we need to be doing each day. Verses 38 and 39. And he, Jesus, says to them, Let's go somewhere else, into the nearby town, so that I can preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. Now, remember, we had learned from verses 33 and 37 that there was still a great need in the city where Jesus was at the time. Remember that the whole city was at his door? So from a five senses point of view, it made sense that he should stay there longer, right? Continue to minister to these needs right there in that town. But that was not the direction he received. It was likely during that quiet time with the Father where Jesus learned God's desire, which was to move on to nearby towns. When we listen to God's voice, we make the right decision. When we listen to the voice of the crowd, it can lead to wrong decisions. One of the hardest things we have to deal with in our relationship with God is to realize that our will is not God's will, and then to choose to put aside our own plans in order to do what God desires for us to do. Jesus was challenged by this as well. In John chapter 5, verse 30, it says, I'm not able to do anything on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Have you ever thought about the significance of this verse? Jesus had to suppress his own desires and what he wanted to do with his life so that the Father's will could be accomplished. It's a natural and a human emotion to want to do what we want to do. How many times have you heard someone say, Don't tell me what to do! It must have been difficult at times for Jesus to relinquish his own desires and will in order to carry out the plan that his Father had laid before him. In Mark chapter 14, verses 32 and 33, And they came to a place that was named Gethsemane, and he says to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he takes with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. This word distressed comes from the Greek word ekthambeo, E-K-T-H-A-M-B-E-O. And it means to be struck with terror. The word troubled is a translation from ademoneo, A-D-E-M-O-N-E-O. And it means to be full of heaviness. Jesus had a heavy heart. He was filled with terror. Why? Because he knew from the prophecies recorded in the Old Testament scriptures that he was going to have to go through 
a tremendous amount of torture. He was a human like you and I are, and it terrified him. Mark chapter 14, verse 34, And he says to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Stay here and watch. Jesus was filled with exceeding sorrow. The prophecies from the Old Testament said that he would be violently punished and then be put to death. Not only did he not want to have to deal with all the pain, he didn't want to die. He loved life. Notice that Jesus told his disciples to stay here and watch. He didn't ask them to go to sleep, did he? He asked them to watch. Verses 35 to 36. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour would pass away from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. This incident at Gethsemane is also recorded in Matthew chapter 26 and in Luke chapter 22. It is the only recorded time where Jesus was so perplexed by what God was asking him to do that he was asking the Father, is there any way that this request could be bypassed? Does this look to you like a robot? I almost get tears in my eyes when I think about what Jesus was going through here. After this intense prayer, Jesus went to check on his disciples. Verses 37 to 38. And he comes and he finds them sleeping. And he says to Simon Peter, Are you sleeping? Were you not strong enough to watch for even one hour? Watch and pray in order that you do not enter into temptation. Indeed, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was likely frustrated by their lack of commitment during this crucial time in his life. He goes back and he prays to the Father. Verses 39 to 40. And again, he went and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. After finishing that second prayer, Jesus had still not gotten the answer he was looking for from his father regarding a possible way to avoid his future torture and death sentence. He goes back to his disciples, and again he finds them sleeping. The loneliness that Jesus must have felt. His disciples didn't understand the significance about what was to take place. Only he and the Father knew and understood. If you are a dedicated servant of our Lord Jesus Christ, there will be times when he is directing you to do something, and there may not be anyone else to stand with you. Even your close friends and acquaintances may not understand or appreciate what you are about to do. This is because God is speaking to you and not to them. It's your ministry and not theirs. Many may think that you're being foolish or misled. Others may call you crazy. During those moments, we have to draw our strength and our courage to move on from God. He is the one who has called you, and He is the one who will prosper you as you obey what He is directing you to do, rather than the voice of the crowd. Mark chapter 14, verse 41. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. 
Jesus had prayed the exact same prayer to his father for a third time. He was pleading. He was begging. Was there any possible way for the father's will to be carried out without him having to be tortured and crucified? After this third time in prayer, he is now convinced there is no other way. Jesus must submit to God's plan and allow himself to get arrested. Where is the support from his closest disciples as Jesus now comes to grips with the horrible reality that his fate is upon him? It appears the disciples were more interested in sleep than they were of supporting what he was going through at the time. Romans 10.9 tells us that when we confess Jesus is our Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, we receive eternal life. How can that be? Shouldn't we have to work for our salvation? How could it be so easy to get it? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through trust, and it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift we receive freely from God. We do not have to work for it. But that does not mean that a price was not paid. Jesus Christ paid a heavy price to make our salvation possible. Matthew chapter 27 verses 26 through 31 describes some of the punishment Jesus endured for us. In Isaiah, the result of the beatings that Jesus endured were described this way. In chapter 52 verse 14, Just as many were astonished at you, his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Jesus was beaten so badly that it is doubtful that you would have been able to recognize him anymore. And this all occurred before he would get nailed to a cross. When you think of your salvation as being free, don't forget that for one person in this world, it wasn't free. An extremely heavy price was paid. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up in place of us all, how will he not also, in addition to him, freely give us everything else? Do you realize how much God loves you? He stood by and watched his only begotten son go through tremendous punishment and torture. He stood by and watched him to get crucified on a cross. Would you allow your son to go through something like this for the sins that someone else had committed? 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. This is how the love of God was revealed among us, that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we could live through him. This is the real Jesus Christ. Not the lovey-dovey who always walked around smiling and saying, Bless you to everyone. The real Jesus had to deal with negative circumstances. He was tempted in every way that a human could be tempted in. He fought tooth and nail to carry out the will of his Father God, even during the darkest circumstances. Ladies and gentlemen, our God is more than worthy of our trust, our love, and our obedience. And Jesus Christ is the man I want to commit in service to as my Lord for the rest of my life. How about you? In the next session, we will learn about the authority and privileges we inherited by faith in Jesus Christ 
at the time of our salvation. Until then, remember that God loves you, Jesus Christ loves you, and so do I.